my friend, you have found the Functioning Hot Mess Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Murray, life coach and author. I started this show to share life lessons and hot mess moments along with a few shenanigans to let you know you're not alone in this roller coaster of life. Each week, you'll get a solo episode or an interview to help you improve your self-confidence, create healthy relationships, or become a better parent. If you love what you hear, hit subscribe and I'll automatically show up in your downloads each and every week. All right, let's get on with the show. The most important part of a successful relationship is trust. As you know, it takes time to build and moments to wreck it. So in this episode, we're going to talk about trust with your significant other, but in reality, these ideas can be used in any type of relationship. So you can adapt them to work with your kids, your coworkers, and your friends, whatever you need to do. The principles are the same. But before we get into how to build trust in a relationship, let's cover why it's important. It seems obvious, but sometimes what's common sense isn't common practice. Listen up in case there are some new tidbits here for you. One of the questions I have asked most often is, can a relationship work without trust? And the quick answer to that is no. The longer answer is hell no. When you don't have trust in your relationship, you feel like you can't let your guard down or that you have to control everything because it feels like that big area of your life is so out of control that you try to micromanage and hyper-focus on everything else. So lack of trust breeds drama, drama, and more drama. A relationship without trust feels chaotic and it leaves you feeling like you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Will it all come crashing down tomorrow? Will I be alone and starting over a week from now? It's a terrible feeling and it will drive you batshit crazy. When you don't trust someone, you stop being the best version of you. You absolutely cannot function at your highest potential when you don't trust your partner. Even if you love him or her, you cannot show up fully into a relationship when you can't trust them. Over time, lack of trust will drive the two of you apart. It becomes all-consuming and it spreads into every area of your life. It's nearly impossible to focus on your work, your hobbies, your kids, or anything else that's important to you when you don't trust your partner. One or the other of you will get to the point when enough is enough and it's going to end. If you're in a relationship with someone you truly cannot trust, like say a chronic cheater, they're not going to change. At what point are you going to realize that the relationship is extremely toxic for you and bail? On the flip side, if your partner is trustworthy and you're suffering from insecurities that spaz you out, don't expect him or her to put up with that forever. You need to go to therapy and work through your past so that you can let those demons go and stop bringing them into your present relationship. Okay, now that we've got all that out of the way, let's chat about how to build trust in a relationship. So I've included in here six tips on how to build trust in a relationship, but no, there are so many more. There's no possible way that I could include all of those in a podcast. So here's some six ideas that I have that will help you along your way. So tip number one is to be honest. I know that sounds super simple, no brainer, but let's talk about some areas of your life where you may not be honest and how that can affect your relationship. So if you lie to others, 
it affects the trust that you have with your partner. So for example, my friend has a brother who tells lies to their family every time they have get togethers. He doesn't want to go. So he gives excuses for why he and his family can't make it. And everybody knows it's BS. But in his mind, he doesn't want to hurt his parents feelings by saying, I'm just really not feeling it. I don't want to come. However, His wife and his children see him lying to his parents. They see him lying about the reasons why they can't go to this family barbecue or this family function. And that is starting to disrupt the trust that they have in him because they're learning that, you know, maybe he's trying to soften the blow. Maybe in his mind, he's being kind, but he's ruining his trust within his immediate family, his wife and kids, they're watching him lie. So then when it comes time to have a kid's football game or sporting event, and dad says, well, I can't make it because I have to stay late at work. They've seen him lie about why he can't make it to things before. And now they're starting to say, okay, is he really just not wanting to come to my games? Or is he really working late at work? So even if he's being in his mind, if he's being honest to his family, how will they ever trust that? Anything that comes up for him, whether it's a legitimate reason for him not to make it or for him to be late or for something that's come up, they don't trust that now because they've watched him lie. All right, tip number two, take out the mystery. So my friend dated a guy who would tell her that he was going to be busy for a while and he'd be completely silent for hours and sometimes even until the next day. And they were kind of new in this relationship, so she really wasn't worried about it yet. And she didn't push him or ask him what he did. And, you know, she was kind of like, well, he doesn't have to answer to me and she wouldn't question it, which was fine. And a week or so later, he'd volunteer what he had done that day. And it was always okay. It was legit stuff. So on one hand, He's not out there doing anything wrong. Why worry about it? But on the other hand, why not just take out the mystery instead of saying, hey, I'm going to be gone and unavailable for a while, which in his mind is being polite and letting her know why he's not going to be texting her back. Why not just say, hey, I'm going fishing with my nephew. I'll catch you later. Like that is so much easier and it takes out the mystery because when you plant that seed of hey, I'm going to be busy for a little while. We naturally, as human beings, think the worst. Our brain automatically goes to the worst. So in her mind, she's thinking, well, he doesn't have to answer me to me. We're not a couple. We're not official. We're brand new in this relationship. But yet, what's going on? What is he doing? Is he out there chasing other girls? Should I be worried? Is it time for me to bail? Like she's creating all of these scenarios, all these questions, and she's losing trust in him. Now, later when he comes out and says, oh yeah, the other night when I was gone for a little while, I was out fishing with my nephew in her mind. Then she starts to say, oh my gosh, I totally blew that out of proportion. I'm such an idiot. I was worrying over nothing. But can you see what spiral that creates? Just take out the mystery. Let them know, hey, I'm going to be busy for a while. I'm in this training or I have to be in this meeting or like things are now. I'm going to be on a Zoom call and I'm not going to be able to answer you for a while. Let them know or make it okay where there's not an expectation that you answer Johnny on the spot. Like I think that's important. If it's during your regular work hours and you're not answering someone's call or text, it's because you're busy. Let that be a given. There's not a trust issue there. However, 
if it's time when maybe you would normally be available, it's okay to let them know. You don't have to ask permission. You're not begging for anything. And it's not about stifling or smothering. It's simply saying, hey, I'm going to be out fishing with my nephew and I might not have cell service, so I'll catch up with you tomorrow. Say something like that and take out the mystery. Another tip is to be consistent. Make your words and your actions match. If you say you're going to be there for dinner at a certain time, be there. If you're running late for some reason, call and make sure it's a legit reason. Like that's one of the biggest things that that just suck. And I know I'm so guilty of this myself. I'm at my office and I'm doing, if I just get this one thing done and I get it done, and then if it's one more and I can get one more, no. At some point, you have to make your word a priority. Be consistent with what you say. Say what you mean and mean what you say. If you say you're going to be there for dinner at six o'clock, then stop working on that last project and know that the rest of it can wait until tomorrow because you promised you'd be there. So be there. Make your words and actions match. Another thing is when you're hearing all the right things and he's saying all the things you want to hear, but the actions don't match up with the words, you have someone who can't trust. So if they're giving you lots of compliments and saying such kind things and telling you how much they love you, but then their behavior is showing a lack of respect, showing that they don't truly care about your opinion. They don't want to hear what you have to say. They want to bark orders and tell you what to do. They want to be able to show up late for everything or completely just stand you up on appointments or dates or whatever. They're showing you that you can't trust what they say. So even if they're saying all the right things, but they're not matching up, own that. Recognize that this person doesn't know how to be consistent. They don't know how to be honest. And even if they truly mean that they love you, if they can't show it, it's probably time for you to take that into consideration before you take next steps. Another tip is to be safe or kind. You know, one thing that we forget is that our reactions to any type of question, problem, thought, whatever, your reactions can reduce the level of trust that others have in you. So if you have a knee-jerk reaction to everything, your partner won't want to share anything with you. If you feel like you have to come in and save the day and sweep them off their feet and take over and run and control every time you do something or every time something happens, they're not going to want to tell you anything because there might be they might be coming from a place where they're just like, you know, I just wanted to kind of tell you about my day. I didn't need for this to be a, here's what you should have done and let me criticize everything you didn't do right type moment. That really makes it kind of, in a way, unsafe to share what happened. Even in a, in a day-to-day conversation, it makes it really difficult and you lose trust. My girlfriend was married to a guy who constantly said no to everything. Like he would have a knee-jerk reaction to every idea she had. It was just immediately no. Whether it was let's take this big trip, the quick answer was no. Or let's go to dinner, quick answer was no. Do you want to go grocery shopping with me? The quick knee-jerk reaction was no. And it wasn't just like, no thanks, I'm not interested. It was we can't afford that. We can't do that. Why would you ask me if I want to go shopping with you? What would you think? Like it was a big drama thing around it. Right. And a few minutes later, he'd come back and be like, well, I don't know, you know, maybe that is something that we could talk about. Or actually I do kind of want to get out of the house. I will go get groceries with you. 
So the knee-jerk reaction was that instant dramatic no. And it taught her that no matter what she said or did, she had to deal with the instant drama reaction and she didn't want to deal with it. She did not trust his ability to even think on his feet. Can you see how that would happen and how that would change and impact a level of trust? Because by the time he came back around and was like, well, maybe that's not such a bad idea. She's like, you know what? Piss off. That was five minutes ago. Now I'm mad and I don't want your company. If that's how you're going to react every time I ask something or say something or have an original thought, God forbid, I don't want to talk to you anymore. So that really impacted the level of trust they had in their relationship, not to mention lots of other areas of their relationship, right? Okay, another tip is be there when they need you. This one goes back to owning the fact that if you're in a relationship with someone, you're there with them through the good and the bad. And I know it can be really hard to have to be there when someone else is in trauma or experiencing grief, but that is when they need you the most. And that is when, especially with a partner, it's most critical for you to step up and say, I'm going to put this awkwardness and this difficult piece and all the all the triggers and everything that's coming up for me to the side so that I can be there for you. It doesn't work for you to say, I'm so sorry you're going through this. I'll get out of your way while you deal with this crisis. That's not going to build trust. You know, you don't build trust by saying, you go ahead and go in the hospital. I'll wait outside in the car, but I'm here for you, babe. Like, what? No, go in there, hold their hand, stand in the corner of the room if you need to, but be there in case they need to turn to you. Be there for the conversation. Let them cry on your shoulder. Let them vent. Whatever it is that they need, it's okay for you to be there and show up for them in that moment. That is what builds trust. And my last tip is to apologize sincerely and don't do it again. I mean, that seems kind of a no-brainer, right? But let me tell you some of the things that people do that kind of screw that up. When you apologize, obviously you need to be truly sincere, but man, you got to own it. You have to own it. And one thing that is such a trigger for me with apologies is when people say, I'm really sorry that I reacted in that way but you triggered me in this way, or your words, your actions, your thoughts, your whatever, you put it back on that person. And that is so not okay. Now, yes, people are our biggest teachers, right? So your partner's going to trigger you. There is something that's going to come up when they're going to have a flip out moment over something that you said. But bottom line, it's your job to recognize that what they said was the trigger, not them. And maybe they weren't necessarily trying to trigger you. Maybe that's something that's in your own side of the street that you need to clean up, right? So being able to apologize and say, you know, when I didn't hear from you, I got really worried. I was afraid that something had happened to you. I was afraid that there had been an accident and it triggered my fear. And I'm sorry that I reacted in the way that I did. Can you hear the difference? Even though you're using what happened and kind of their part of the conversation or their part of their participation in the incident itself, you're not blaming them. You're not saying, well, I wouldn't have flamed out on you if you wouldn't have been such a bitch, right? You're not saying that. That is not an apology. That is shifting it onto someone else and you're blaming them for your bad behavior. That's not cool. 
So the difference is blaming versus explaining. And it's okay to say, I have just had a lot on my brain lately. I have a lot of stress level and I didn't handle that situation well. And I am so sorry. You can own things and apologize in that way without taking and turning the blame onto someone else. That is such an important part of an apology in general. And don't decide also, do not decide that because you have apologized, it should be over for the other person. That is something that we do often that is a big mistake when it comes to building trust. Because if you're saying, I've already apologized about that. Why are you still so upset? Um, hello, you don't get to decide how long it takes for someone else to get over your bullshit. Recognize that you can be doing even more damage by expecting them to hurry and sweep that under the rug. Well, I know I did that thing and I know it was kind of shitty and now I've apologized for it, but I just don't understand why you're still carrying it. Too bad. You don't get to decide why that why they are still carrying it, but you're also showing them that you aren't being respectful of the process they now have to go through as a result of your mistake. So you're not going to gain their trust back that you won't do it again. And you're not going to gain their trust back to show that you even care. Like if you're just like, hey, let's get over this. Let's move on. Let's pretend like this never happened because I don't want to feel the shame or I don't want to be blamed for my own shit. It's time for you to kind of take a step back and say, okay, it takes you as long as it needs to take you. I understand that even though I've apologized, you may not forgive me and I get it. I just want you to know I'm truly sorry and I'm not going to do that again. I'm working through my issues. I'm dealing with my own side of the street so that I can make sure and let you know that this relationship matters. And if you do come to a place where you can forgive me, I hope that we can work through this. Can you hear the difference? It's a big difference. All right, my friend, do me a favor. I know that as you listened to this, you thought of a relationship or relationships that you've been in in the past, or maybe one that you're currently in where these tips could have made a difference. You know, it's really easy to listen to things like this and say, I I mean, you have pictures of people in your mind and situations that are reminded each time I share another tip. But what I want you to do is to go back and listen to this again to see if there's an area where you could improve. Was there any of these tips that was a trigger for you when you said, oh my gosh, I do that. That is something that I do. Because like I said, the first time you listen through, you pick up, that's what he did. That's what she did. That's what's not working for them. Oh, no wonder they can't get along and they can't trust each other. Like we see it in other people and it's easy to see in other people. But change comes when you notice what you're doing and you make an intentional effort to change it. So go back and listen again to find which one of these tips maybe hits too close to home about things that you have personally been doing and then figure out a way to just bring it to your awareness, see it in action, maybe journal times when you've actually been right in the middle of it and what you've been doing and how you got there and then just make the intentional decision to change it and not let that continue into your current and future relationships. 
All right, my friend, I hope this is helpful for you. Do me a favor and hit subscribe if you haven't already done that. And then there's that little cool little share button off to the side. I would love for you to share this on social media. Tell someone that you think needs to hear this. Share it with your partner. Maybe come up with a certain tip that you would like to share with your partner that the two of you could work on together to increase trust within your relationship. And if you do any of that, oh my gosh, let me know. Go to my website, theheartofconfidence.com forward slash build trust in relationships. And I want you to comment on the bottom of that blog post. Let me know what you used, how it worked and what it's doing for you. All right. That's a lot. And I hope you have a fabulous day. I will be back in your downloads next week. Thank you.